but I wanted to go really micro. And I thought not just doing a song, but what about that one lyric? And I thought that, okay, I'll start this. Maybe people would want to partake. Maybe people would roll their eyes at our fandom and say, come on, how can you actually talk about one lyric? And Jesse, I got to tell you, people are lining up. Uh, it is getting in the way of my full-time job. I have already done 10 interviews before the first one even launched. And by the time this airs uh, on your podcast, uh, we'll already have several that are available for your listeners. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans and i am your host jesse jackson and joining me today is the merging of my two worlds as you guys know one of the things i love to do is to talk to other podcasters and so ted is not only a podcaster but he has a framed print of the iconic Born to Run photo in his background. And he's already showed me that he spent way too much money uh, framing a Western Stars print that may have cost them 10 bucks and it cost them 100 <laughs> to frame. Ted, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jesse. I've got to tell you, I, along throughout my house, have probably eight or nine Springsteen posters. And like you say, the posters are one cost, but boy, when you bring them in to get framed and they're $120, you it just is. swallow and think, look at the art that I have around the house. Yes. Whether, you know, working on a dream is a beautiful, beautiful poster. I've got the double set from Brooklyn night one, night two, Western stars, obviously born to run. Uh, there are a couple of other gems around here and it just makes me happy to be surrounded by my Springsteen posters and my Jackson Brown album covers. <laughs> oh, I love that. We may have to spend a little time talking about Jackson Brown. Go ahead and give us your elevator pitch, Ted. Well, it's so funny. I love Bruce, just like all your listeners do. Uh, I was at one of those famous 1980 concerts at Nassau Coliseum, not the one on New Year's Eve. I certainly would have remembered that, but uh, I think it was a night or two before that. Uh, and that's where my Bruce fandom starts being a New Yorker. Uh, you either loved Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen, and um, I chose Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so over the years, I've seen Bruce. I've been in the pit. I've traveled a lot for the uh, 2016 River Tour, ended up in Rome, started it in Pittsburgh. But I started a music podcast that overlaid my journalism background with my music fandom. I, I was going to about 45 live concerts a year, not of not Bruce. Yeah. But for a couple of years, I was going to 45, 50 concerts a year. And um, my friends all said, you should do something with your journalism, with music. I said, no, 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 no. That would ruin fan. I, I don't want Jackson Brown to know I'm a journalist. He would never talk to me again. You know, right. I, I, I do not want to be the professional when I'm waiting by the bus for my musical heroes. 
And then all of a sudden I just realized, okay, maybe I could overlay my profession with my fandom. And I started a music podcast called The Tour. And I teamed up with City Winery with um, restaurants and, and um, wine bars um, in about eight or nine different cities. And and uh, Michael Dorf in New York City was so gracious to help me get some guests. And I interviewed everybody from Amy Helm to Jerry Douglas, Alejandro Escobedo to John Lodge of the role of um, the Moody Blues. Uh, and I ended it with Niels Lofgren, had oh, a wonderful, wonderful interview with Niels. Um, but I love doing those interviews in person. There's something about uh, um, physical cues, interpersonal communications. Uh, Mark Cohn, uh, I asked him after your debut hit, where did you go? I go, did anybody ask you that yet? He goes, no one's asked me that question and I don't know if I'm going to answer it. Oh, nice. And I think that that kind of interaction happens in person. If you ask somebody on a phone line or a line like we're doing right now, I can easily just talk over you and just not answer the question. But there's something intimate where whether Amy Helm says, boy, no one's asked me that question before. Boy, you really did your homework. Alejandro Escobedo telling me a therapy appointment he had where his therapist almost pinned him up against the wall saying, what are you doing? And these stories one-on-one -on -one in person really thrilled me. I, I really always thought that after I did the interviews for the tour podcast, that the publicist would call me to say, you can't use that part. And to this date, no one has done that. And I'm really, really grateful. So fast forward a couple of years, we get into COVID and maybe it is the real narrowness of what I'm thinking these days. You know, I already have the broad podcast of the tour, great interviews, but I wanted to go really micro. And I thought not just doing a song, but what about that one lyric? And I thought that, okay, I'll start this. Maybe people would want to partake. Maybe people would roll their eyes at our fandom and say, come on, how can you actually talk about one lyric? And Jesse, I got to tell you, people are lining up. Uh, it is getting in the way of my full-time job. I have already done 10 interviews before the first one even launched. And by the time this airs uh, on your podcast, uh, we'll already have several that are available for your listeners. And I'm realizing that this isn't about one lyric. As we know, music's a gateway to deeper conversations. Yes. And the honest conversations, someone said that this is about you. I don't even like music, she said, but this is universal conversations, honest conversations, authentic conversations. And I, I'm a proponent of that. I think we all are, right? We're, we love to hear stories. We love to tell stories. In this day and age where there's so much that you can't believe out there, when you hear the honesty of people opening up about this lyric, um, it thrills me. I, I, I am boosted by the response that I've had for that one lyric. I Every single interview that I've done, at some point, the guest and myself have a different interpretation of a song we've been listening to for 30 years. And they say, I, I never thought of it that way. And it's like, oh, oh my God, you, you want to talk about this song? Well, this song talks about them being on the porch, but Thunder Road starts with the screen door slamming and her dress waving. She's on a porch. And it's like, oh my God, these two songs were 30 years apart. And Bruce was able to at least give the imagery 
that it's either a continuation or it it spurs our imagination. Listen, I'm geeking out over this right now. Get a second question and no, let me stop absolutely. talking. No, I because I, I do want to get into a little bit your background and other stuff, but I, I, there's so much there. We could just have a conversation on this. Um, you know, I end every episode with a Mary question, and we will get to that toward the end. Um, and it's become my version of the inside the actor's studio you know he would end every episode with you know what you know what's your favorite curse word you know and all this thing and so i've ended this and you know a guy once said um absolutely mary gets in the car because that's the question does mary get in the car at the end of thunder road and he says absolutely because on racing in the street she's on her daddy's porch and that's the porch that she walked along and I went, I've never made that connection before. That's that's brilliant. And the story I tell all the time on the podcast, Ted, and my listeners are probably going to um, say it along with me, but I think it's exactly to your point. Um, in high school, I loved Isaac Asimov. I was a huge, I still am, you know, he's been He's been passed for a long time, so there's no need books, but I will go back and reread his short stories and novels. And in his autobiography, he talked about he was lecturing once and he talked was talking about a story and the someone in the audience interrupted him and said, Dr. Asimov, that's not what the story's about. And Isaac being, you know, Isaac, this this big, loud, like, hey, I wrote the story. Why do you make of course I know what the story's about? And the guy said well dr asimov why do you think just because you wrote it you know what the story's about and in his autobiography isaac said i realized he was right and from that point on as the writer i knew what i wanted it to mean but i never assumed that's what it meant to my readers again oh, and my goodness right so that goes into the because people have asked me well let's say you get bruce on the show would you ask him the mary question i go i absolutely would ask bruce the mary question he goes well then then you no longer need to ask it because you have the answer and i go well just because bruce thinks she gets in the car or bruce thinks she doesn't get the car that doesn't equate the other people having the story right well, yeah well I've, a couple of things i spoke to jackson brown he really is my beacon my north star yes. um uh, really on a whole nother shelf um i i, I you can imagine and i i, I said what does this lyric mean that uh, pull me through the garden wall and pull me through and and he he wouldn't tell me and I, and I left, I was a little bit ticked off and yeah. he didn't want us to know. Now, over the years, our musical heroes have started to say what some of their songs are about because now they're in their seventies and they're just kind of sharing it. But when he said that it was wonderful, it goes to your point. Now, when you talk about the Mary question, well, there's the Wendy question. And my first episode on that one lyric, we delved into the Wendy question. And does she take off it? And towards the end, I, I said to Jonathan, the guest, I'm like, I think this is a wedding proposal for crying out loud. Is he on his knees? He goes, by the end of this, he, he's working really hard to get her to come. And he goes, I don't know if she'll come, but it would be really hard not to. And I think that's the same with Mary, right? But it's funny when you talk about the Mary question, one of the episodes is about the long walk home. Mm -hmm. There's a question there. And that's the last night I stood at the doorstep trying to figure out what wrong. Well, they're the doorstep. There's yep. the front porch. 
Um, I got to tell you, in Long Walk Home, it's going to be a long walk home. Hey, pretty darling, don't wait up for me. It's going to be a long right. walk home. He's basically saying, even if I heal, you you just may not want to wait it out for me. Now, is is the is the podcast just Springsteen lyrics, or it's is great. it is it or is it dealer's choice, your your listener's choice? So here's what I thought. I was going to start it broad. Hey, everybody, let's get petty. Let's get, I actually thought Jackson Brown. I mean, sure, I love Jackson. Dylan. I mean, Nick Beatles, yeah. it could be everybody. And then I thought, I'm a Springsteen fan. You're a Springsteen fan, Jesse. Yeah. There's all kinds of groups. We stand in the pit. We talk in between tours. When's the next tour? Letter to you comes out and we're all saying, what's going to be the tour opener? You know, is it ghosts or is it burning train? You know, it's and, exactly right. Cause right? I said, Oh, it's gotta be burning train. Gotta be burning train. And then when I saw I know. live, I went, okay, well maybe ghost is. Well, yeah. I gotta tell you, I think Stevie was on East street radio one day and I think they played um, ghosts mm-hmm. and he said it either in code or just in passing. He goes, well, there's the tour opener. Yeah. You know, so I think Stevie thinks it's going to be ghosts. Sure. Um, oh, so, so what, what was the question again? So, <laughs> I'm so, the, so, so, so I, I thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to start this with Springsteen and I'm going to be proud to start it with just Springsteen. And, and I want to penetrate this audience of Bruce lovers um, who, who can appreciate going deep on a lyric and um I'm, gl- I'm glad. I think that at some point it could open up to others. And I think along the way, maybe we'll have some bonus episodes that maybe by episode X, there'll be listener choice or episode Y, it will be Dylan or, well, I, I don't mind doing that, right? Because Bruce loves all of these people too, right? He inducted um, Jackson into the hall of fame. You know, clearly he was influenced by Dylan. I just think right now where the world of podcasting is, where there's so much generalist stuff there. I thought, what would it be like if I went so narrow with that one lyric? And I'm, I'm going to just run with it until uh, there's not enough information or at least episodes. But look, I don't think we are ever going to run out of episodes. Well, you know, I, I was talking to the guy who runs my network a couple of weeks ago. And he says, I need to tell you a funny story, Jesse. I said, sure. He said, five years ago, when you told me you wanted to do a Springsteen podcast, and I said, of course, you know, the whole point of this network is if you're passionate about something, we want to do it. He says, and all I ask is get a season, you know, can, can you get me at least 12 episodes, right? And um, so he says, I remember hanging up the phone with you and I turned to Martha, my wife, and I said, so Jesse wants to do a Springsteen podcast. And I think, I think we'll get a year out of it. He said, and, you know, here you are five years later, you know, over 700, 600 episodes. Well done. Um, Well done. And, and part of that is cheating. Like I will do, you know, I've done Springsteen's thought of the day, which is similar to your podcast where I pick a lyric and then I talk about it. And I did that. Um, And, um, and then what I did, and I'll give you the, please use this if you want. I do B-side episodes. And, you know, and so I have someone that's passionate about the Bee Gees or John Hyatt 
or, uh, you know, like I would love to have you on another time and just to talk about Jackson Brown, you know, and so, right. And so, and, and I just, you know, from the A side and the B side and just B side episodes is perfect. And that's given me the ability, Ted, to have other musicians that want to promote their songs join me. I've had writers join me, some of them huge Springsteen fans, some of them not Springsteen fans, but I just there to talk because, you know, this, you know, what I do when I'm on my, um, you know, there's Facebook groups everywhere where find a guest, be a guest, right? And, um, and I always, when someone says, I want to be a guest, I'm looking to be a guest on a podcast, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I always go, if you're passionate about music, if you have a favorite band, if you're passionate about a brand of music, I would love to have you on. And I had a young lady that um, loved Leonard Cohen on a couple weeks ago, and we had such a good time. She reached out to me and said, if I wanted to do a Leonard Cohen podcast, would you, would you be offended and would you help me? And I go, no, I, you know, the beauty of podcast is, you know, let them go out there. And if someone doesn't like it, they'll find their audience. So I, I think it's great. Now repeat again, before I get us the name of the new podcast. The podcast is called that one lyric. You can go to my website, that one lyric.com. If you'd like to be a guest, you can email me at Ted at that one lyric.com or it's on all of the popular um, channels, all of the um, podcast channels. So one of the things that made me think of this is several years ago, um, there was a, a Firefly podcast, you know, the Josh Whedon show that was very popular uh, set in space, a Western space. And they had had a thing where they said, tell Firefly in five lines. So you had to pick five pieces of dialogue from the series and use that to explain and then explain why. And then my good friend, Terry Smith um, was on the show and we, he's a huge Springsteen fan. And at the end of the podcast, he said, do you have a couple of minutes? And I go, sure. He said, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. And he says, here's the premise. He says, I, I have friends come over to the house and we were showing off, you know, he says, I have a, a beautiful hi-fi system and I would play records and basically it was me playing record and going in this great. And so I asked them to start bringing albums and he says, and as we work through it, I asked them to bring a different song for every decade they'd been alive. So like I was born in 1959. So when I was on the show, I had to do a 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, on and on. And I ended up picking songs that were biographical. Like I picked a song for my son. I picked a son for my father. I picked a son for my dad uh, and my mom and everything. So I think the struggle I would have is how do you pick one lyric? And, you know, and, and be like, how is it just one? And, and, and I'm going to let you talk, but um, the Skip and Josh podcast is a podcast that Skip is a huge Springsteen fan. He joined me on the podcast. Him and his friend Josh uh, do a podcast every week, and they used to talk sports, but with pandemic, sports for the longest time wasn't happening. 
So they started doing top seven lists because 10 was too many, five's too short. Let's do seven. And so, you know, they've done their top seven quarterbacks, their top seven bagel places in Canada. And so their next one is your top seven song lyrics. And I, I emailed Skip. I said, the problem is, do I pick any non Springsteen lyrics (laughs) for my discussion? Right. (laughs) It's very funny because the people who have either reached out to me or I've reached out to them said that this is the most stressful assignment in their life. And look, they're staying awake. It's keeping them awake. They're talking about it at the dinner table where their families are like, can we get through a Friday night dinner without you talking about Springsteen? They write to me saying, I'd like to talk about this lyric. And then I get two more emails saying, uh, I, I changed it. I think I want to talk about this lyric. And then by the time we're interviewing, it's down to two and, and they almost want my input. I go, no, 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 no. This is, this is your, this is your yes. time. So it is a very frustrating assignment to come up with one lyric. And here's the thing that, that we also know. Music hits us at different times, right? I can listen to um, a song in 1985 and hear it differently in 2015. My life could be different. Uh, I'm still amazed that I'm here Springsteen and Jackson Brown songs 40 years later. I'm like, that's what he means. I mean, how can I still, after listening to this song, this music so much, still be open to reinterpreting lyrics, right? So that must mean something about the everlastingness of the song, but also that the song meets us where we are in life. And I think that's true for lyrics also. And I think that's why we explore a lyric we go off the rail and really talk about philosophy. We talk about anything that's going on in life. Relationships are such a big part of it. Uh, Father, son relationships. Uh, I spoke to somebody who wanted to talk about Thunder Road and guess what? She doesn't hear it as a romantic song. She was minimized as a teenager. And when she hears those lyrics it's a town full of losers. She's like, yeah, they're losers. The one that are min- the ones that are minimizing me. I'm going to make it because I'm not going to be in this town. And for her, I'm like, my gosh, can you please call me in about 15 years when the song gets romantic to you? Because I don't know anybody our age, Jesse, that would interpret Thunder Road anything but uh, romantic, right? A, a, abandon. So I have a wonderful story for you, Ted. Um, I had a lady on uh, Bex and um, she, um, her and her husband do a podcast where they, because um, they have young children, um, you know, you watch the same thing over and over and over again. So they decided they would do a podcast where they take college level criticism on children's television and uh so they do it every saturday it comes out on saturday mornings it's about 30 minutes the idea is like instead of saturday morning cartoons we're going to talk about it and so she was an absolutely wonderful guest and um and i i sent the agenda and i said you know the merry question i'm going to ask you um i don't you know she wasn't a springsteen fan i said listen to the song thunder road read the lyrics and then answer the question does mary get in the car so she replied back and said, I can go pretty deep. Are you okay with that? I go, absolutely. The deeper you go, the better. Um, 
so she did not listen to him perform it. She just read the lyrics, Ted, and she basically made it a murder mystery that this the skeletons, <laughs> Dusty the, Beach Roads. Yes, and the skeletons. The, and she says he's if she gets in the car, he's going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> this is a I will send you her notes. And she was like, Jesse, I'm afraid your audience is going to hate me. I'm like, no, first off, they're going to laugh just like I am because we think of this as one of the most romantic, beautiful songs in the world. And to have this different perspective that it's a, you know, made for TV lifetime movie. Uh, was <laughs> oh just no, it's Hitchcock. Yes, now, it's now, now all of a sudden the scream door is slamming. I feel like it's the birds. She's out on the yes. porch looking at the birds coming at her. <laughs> yes. And so and she was like this, this imagery of, you know, your, your, um, your dress at your feet. I mean, this is such oh, a violent imagery. Yes. So I, I, you know, it is amazing about that. So Ted, oh, that's really funny. It's yes. Really, I, I will really send good. you her notes. She okay. just was loving. I told her, I said, I now want to do a series of you just taking apart Springsteen lyrics <laughs> and like, or is it a Gothic novel? Is it a Hitchcock film? Is it, you know, <laughs> is oh, it, goodness. You know, is it, you know, saying, um, Talk. You said you mentioned you you grew up in New York, right? right. I, I want to at least spend a few minutes. What kind of music did you listen to? Where, where's what your family's background? So let's see. Uh, I, I'm a product of the '60s. Um, I, my house. I remember everything from Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass to Engelbert Humperdinck to Tom Jones uh, to to Perry Como. Uh, you know, on the record player, I remember my parents having parties with whiskey sours in the blender and, and um, it was like those madmen kind of um, parties, you know, or neighbors would get a little tipsy in the neighborhood would talk about it the next day. So that was that kind of genre. But I also remember being um, in elementary school and getting ready for school and my mom and I dancing to Motown. And um, while, while she would be making breakfast or coffee and um, you know, I played trumpet, so I got into some of the classic stuff. Um, but to tell you the truth, when I started listening to music, really at 14, somewhere around there, Frampton Comes Alive was my first album. Bachman Turner Overdrive was my first concert. But I would listen to The Best of Bread. And it wasn't kind of soft music. I was like deep music. I'd listen to Boston. I'd listen to Farner and and Kansas. Do you remember all of that stuff in the seventies? Um, sure. um, Jerry Rafferty. That was a great, great album. The Jerry yeah. Rafferty album. When did you graduate from high school? 79. Okay. So Jackson Brown really in those mid seventies to late seventies, it, it, it really penetrated big time, the pretender and late for the sky. Yeah. So I was 77. I, I can remember, um, you know, um, running on empty and the loadout. Oh, I just love the loadout. Right. I just was, you know, and, and, you know, the, and, you know, the FM station would play the long version and, you know, when he was Steve, why don't you stay, you know? Uh, and, uh, he is absolutely right. Like that was something so cool and so different, by the way, I, I'm sure you heard this, right. But, uh, in one of the 
many award ceremonies, Bruce said that when Brian Wilson ended up marrying Wendy, the little surfer girl, they had twin sons and they were Warren Zavon and Jackson Brown. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. I love that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what a beautiful way to say, you know, that, that because of the, the different from Brian's music and how the two different from California. So, so obviously Jackson Brown has been a love all your life, but can you, when did you discover Bruce? You've talked about it a little bit, but why, what about him spoke to you? And often people can't explain that, but oh, that's a great can. question. So I had mentioned earlier that growing up on Long Island with Billy Joel there, you know, in The Stranger, it was a fantastic album, but then he got Poppy, 52nd Street and stuff like that. And it was kind of bubblegummy. And you really, in New York, you really choose sides, Mets, you know, uh, Rangers, Islanders, Jets, mm -hmm. Giants, Billy yes. Joel, Bruce Springsteen. And right. I think the toughness spoke to me. Not that I was a tough, I, I grew up in a Wonder Years kind of community, um, but it still was grittier. It still seemed to have a depth that I was drawn to, right? If I'm drawn to Jackson Brown for the depth of lyrics as a, as a 15, 16 year old, I, I was certainly drawn to the rock and roll of Bruce mm -hmm. Springsteen, that, that someone could do that like that. And you know, I, I was, I didn't catch the Rolling Stone wave, Stones wave of the late 60s because I was still younger. I was more of the monkeys, right? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden when I, you know, I haven't thought of this, Jesse, it's really a great question, but Bruce may have really been the first true rock and roller. But back then, I, I don't even know we there was everything was rock and roll so it's not yes. like we said oh well we're going to bruce because it's rock and roll billy joel was poppy rock and roll that back sure. then so it wasn't so fragmented back then so it's not like i was in search of rock and roll i was in search of 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 um of just a tougher beat probably yeah right mm -hmm. then then billy joel's softness that after the stranger Yes, he had a, some nice songs here and there, but I just don't think he matches toe to toe at all with his subsequent albums. Though yeah. I'm sure Billy Joel fans would get on here and just rip me. So. Yeah, and uh, I, by the way, I when um, I went, I still have the phase where you know, um, you know, would buy all the new Billy Joel albums when they came out. Uh, you know, my thing was, right, you're either a Fleetwood Mac or an Eagles fan, like, like in that 76, 77, you know, Rumors or Hotel California. You know, and I was an Eagles guy in growing up in Louisiana. Not that I didn't like Fleetwood Mac. I just, you know, one or the other was the passion. Um, and, you know, I think... Um, and it's very clear that Bruce and Billy adore each other, you know, because when they play together, you know, the, they, they'll do that, you know, and they'll do New York State of Mind and Bruce will play with that and Born to Run. And, um, you know, it was one of the early, early uh, Billy Joel was on a talk show and he talked about going to Broadway and he said that he kind of was expecting Bruce to ask him 
to go on stage, right? Because that's what we do. He's telling the story and he didn't. And he said, because it's not that kind of show. Um, and I remember when uh, Tom Petty died and Bruce didn't open with a Tom Petty song, I knew this is something different. This is not just a show. This isn't a Devils and Dust, Ghost of Tom Joe tour. This is something different. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, during the uh, 2016 River Tour, twice um, I was there three times. Glenn Fry. Yeah. Bruce sang after he died. David Bowie. I was at that show too in he Pittsburgh. Sang. Yeah. And then I was at night one and night two in Brooklyn. And I've got to tell you, when they came out and sang Purple Rain for the first song, and Niels Lofgren talks about learning it on the fly in my podcast, The Tour, um, that was stunning. That and, and you hear it on E Street Radio. And they, he played it night two also, but he played it deeper in, into the, the concert opening i mean because here on the river tour we're, we're waiting for a meet me in the city tonight every, every mm. opening yeah, that's every what, yeah. single opening and all of a sudden it's like what is going on up there the stage just turned purple and he went into it so uh, ken rosen's wonderful you know blog that he does every day just recently talked about because that's the uh, you know he talked about that on the cover and i remember you know um seeing this from a distance um you know every member was wearing some kind of purple everyone on stage and the band was just this this amazing cover and then you were seeing interview clips of like prince talking about how he would love to be backstage and watch bruce perform because you could learn so much from him you know and he talked about i think he was on the view or something he said you learn from the best and then bruce was talking about that there's not a better showman and um and every year at the Super Bowl, all us Springsteen fans start tweeting about the greatest halftime show ever. Oh, yes. And I a friend always, of mine was there. A friend oh, of mine yes, was there. Yes. She, she, she was adopted by one of the winning groups. Yeah. <laughs> and I always say, I agree it was amazing, but you two and Prince might have a little something to say about what's the best one of ever. Because I think you two after 9-11 was such a powerful one and then prince was just with the rain and everything it was just epic so tremendous you know the story of that opening that that uh, purple rain brooklyn one that Niels told me um he he got into some conference room or something and just was listening and listening because he didn't know whether bruce was going to call on him to do the solo or not but he said, uh, Bruce said to him, hey, tell the boys, tell the band, be ready. We're going to do Purple Rain tomorrow night or tonight. And so he was learning it and he was learning it and he was figuring it out. And my friend, uh, the same one who got the Super Bowl um, opportunity to run out on the field at halftime, she was backstage before the show of Brooklyn One. And she saw Stevie watching YouTube of Prince. Mm -hmm. So they were all on the fly still working on it. These are working musicians, man. They took this craft seriously to think that Niels at 530 is, is in a conference room. Uh, he hosts the Colbert's. He has to, you know, break away to continue learning it. And, and here's Stevie watching it on YouTube 
according to my friend who who was who saw it. So that's remarkable when you think of just an hour before the show, they were still working on it, and they and, and they nailed it. Yeah, and you know, it's it, you think about right the 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 passion of the show. Um, I was there. I I was when they opened the show. They did the free show for the NCAA tour like right before he kicked off the second leg of like the, you know, the wrecking ball tour and the high hopes tour. Um, and, you know, they came out to the sound of sweet Georgia Brown and they burst it into jump. And, uh, you know, and it's, um, I, there's a couple of guys uh, that halfway joked that, the E Street Band should just tour doing nothing but covers. It would be the greatest <laughs> wedding great. band cover band ever. They that just, would be great. You know, you, know you, you, you just brought back a memory. We missed the tour so much. Just Jump is just yeah. such a beautiful, happy, you know, we are just jumping. And it's such a fun song. And they they may have played that at Mohegan Sun. I went to the yes. last two nights. I went to those nights too. And night two at Mohegan Sun it was, I think, the only time that Santa Claus is coming to town was a sign request in the month of May. Yes. In May, they're playing Santa Claus. Some little boy, I think, gave him the sign. It was a tremendous two nights there also. You know, Tom Morello uh, was tremendous. Yeah. So, Ted, I always like to preface this question with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I mean, there are people that have never seen him that are devoted fans. But for the record, do you count how many times you've gone? You know, I haven't counted. I'm not like the people who I'm interviewing for that one lyric podcast. Uh, yeah. one, 130, 250, yeah. 250. When you think that the band didn't even tour from like what? 88 to 99 or something, whatever, yeah. or uh, whatever those years were like 250. Yes. Um, you really have. And they even say it on it. It's like, Oh no, my, my wife raised the kids. I went to see Springs. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I've seen him under 50 times, okay. but um, you know, there was a time where I saw Southside Johnny more than Bruce at a certain okay. point in my life. Yes. You know, right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you were, if you weren't writing about music, what were you writing about? You said you were, you know, in your pre-podcast world, you were a journalist. What, what kind of, what were you writing? Yeah, I was a newsroom manager in television and radio stations, okay. whether it was commercial TV or NPR stations, uh, notably one in Boston. Uh, so I was um, directing and, and managing content and, and editing, executive editing scripts okay. and things like that. But I had realized that, you know, by 2015, that I, I have a voice that I feel, um, I don't mean my voice, I just have things that I want to say. And I started yeah. a, a civic engagement podcast called The Front Porch Movement. I just felt like the country was getting polarized. Um, it was in Obama's second term. Uh, we weren't having healthy conversations that we used to on front porches where we actually would meet with our neighbors and listen. So I started that. And then it dovetailed and I finally took all of my friends' advice that were just annoying me to say, overlay your journalism with your music fandom. And that's when I started yeah. the tour. Mm -hmm. And from there, I'm just happy to do those full interviews and go deep exploring these artists yeah. 
Um, but I also am just thrilled about this new podcast, that one lyric to go so micro and to hear everybody nerd yes. out. I mean, they're nerding out over this thing. So it's really exciting. So quick thoughts. Um, the Jeep commercial, were you, did you have any thoughts about it? I loved the Jeep commercial. And for people to say, oh, it was great. But the last three seconds, too bad there was a logo. It's like, really, I'm, I'm not going out and buying a Jeep because of that. I right. would have bought a Jeep because of Western Stars, the movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> right? and no, I loved it. I, I you yeah. know, I loved it. And, and I didn't, whatever the controversy was that what he was extending it, his arm to the extremists. I, I didn't see it that way. I, I, I see that he was doing what he wants to do is build community and bring us all together. Well, and the reason I'm asking you that is you talking about the front porch is almost the same message. The idea of, um, and absolutely, I, I understand the the people saying that the middle is what gets in the way of making progress. But, you know, I talked about it. I go, I do not believe that trying to find a way to move forward means you give up on your principles, right? And so uh, I am now my first thought, Ted, was that it was fake because it looked like it had been pulled directly from Western stars. (laughs) I'm like, did someone take scenes from Western stars, uh, you know, put together a Bruce sound alike and, you know, did, because, you know, fans do that all the time on TV shows. They'll make fake trailers and, you know, fake things and they'll, they'll run things. And at first I was like, this looks legit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then you read the article and and Bruce flew out there the week before, a week Mm -hmm. before they were filming in the freezing cold. So -hmm. they really turned that sucker around. I just loved his words in it. I, I did just, too. You know, I really did. And when you talk about making progress, look, I'm a progressive, but people have said it, and I'm not the one who coined this, but it's a famous phrase that you kind of run, um, you, you, you run like left, but you have to govern in the middle. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I, I am, uh, I, I will, I will tell you, I'm worried about this country and uh, we will not stay on politics long, but there, there is such a, the diversity and, and I, I, um, you know, as someone who spent a lot of their time in journalism, you know, we used to not debate basic facts. And, and now then that there is 30% of the people actually believe that this was not a fair election boggles my mind it, it you know and so i i worry about us and all i can do is try to be a, a voice of of compassion and love and you know i i end every episode wear an and mask and you know our governor in texas is like ah you don't need to wear a mask it's okay <laughs> well thank goodness that the um sounder minds are prevailing some of the big corporations that are in, te- in texas yeah. saying no 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 no, you're you're still gonna yes, wear a mask if you work here you know you, you, it, it's it's such a divisive time in america right yeah and that is one of the reasons why i keep turning to podcasting yes. as something that is 
kind of a, a means to open up conversations, even with these three um, podcasts that I've done. I mentioned the Front Porch Movement, the Tour yeah. podcast, and now that one lyric. Because um, just yelling at each other, the, the re one of the reasons we're in this position, and again, I'm not, I don't even want to address the extremists, right? I, I'm not yeah. even saying that. But 2016 taught us that enough people were just feeling disenfranchised from parties for Trump to prevail and Bernie to do so well. I mean, that was yeah. a real warning that we can't think things are fine when both parties had such a turnout in the primaries, especially for an alternative. Yes. Right. And, um, and then, then, then this all happened in the last four years. So, yeah. um, I don't know the way forward, but maybe through music, maybe through lyrics, maybe yes. we'll have some common ground. I, I don't know. So I always like to ask about favorite albums or songs, but is that giving away your, <laughs> your episode of your own podcast? No, it, I'm so glad because I have to be prepared to talk about my one lyric. Yes. I mean, that would be hypocritical if not. Right. So, you know, I am, I'm a romantic. I was at Rome in 2016 where that head nod from Bruce to Patty on tougher than the rest uh, and just get like, come here. I'm inviting you to my microphone. And yeah. it was unbelievable. I, one lyric I, and now I'm going to do exactly what my guests say they do. They can't pick one. Right. I will land on one, but I wanted to preface it with my one a, and it was from, if I should fall behind. Right. I mean, the line where that come the twilight, should we lose our way? If is we're walking, a hand should slip free. That hand slipping free is the most powerful thing in a relationship. Even healthy marriages grow at different rates and a hand will slip free. Now, the, the extreme of a hand slipping free, we could imagine, right? But hands slip free daily, weekly, uh, through, through just inattention for a couple. And for a hand to slip free and to go into a relationship knowing it will happen, what will you do? Well, I'll wait for you and, and please wait for me. I, to me, that's maybe that is my number one, but I've got to go to tougher than the rest because it is such an amazing imagery. The road is dark and it's a thin, thin line, but I want you to know I'll walk it for you anytime. I, I mean, if that just doesn't sum up both Born to Run and Thunder Road in a much more charming, um, the engines aren't running the way they are in the motorcycle and the car on Born to Run and, and Thunder Road, perhaps. But it's really... It is dark and it's a thin line. Again, just, just like tougher than the, just like um, if I should fall behind, our lives are going to be complicated. The road is going to be dark. Our hand will slip free. I'll wait for you uh, and I'll walk that thin line for you anytime. To me, these two songs are almost like one song and I've never thought of it this way that I've always thought of them as companion songs, <laughs> you know, add I'll work for your love. And there's the hat trick, so to speak. Have yeah. I overspoken? Because now I no, feel like that's, I'm really... No, that's perfect. In fact, now I'm mad that um, 
I didn't include um, tougher than the rest on my lyrics. Uh, as I told you, you know, Scott and Josh are going to talk about their seven favorite lines. And so um, just to share with you, and then um, I did not pick all Bruce. I picked Letter to Me by Brad Paisley. It's a song that he um, had had co-write, but basically it's if I could write a letter to me back when I was 17. Oh, and nice. there is a line where he says, you got so much up ahead, you'll make new friends, you should see your kids and wife, and I'll end by saying, have no fear, these are nowhere near the best years of your life. Oh, beautiful. That's almost like what you would write in a high school yes. senior's yearbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, number six was, if I should fall behind. And the exact lyrics you mentioned, everyone oh. dreams of a love lasting and true, right? Um, I, I, when someone I know is getting married, I will print out the lyrics to, if I should fall behind and include that in their gift. Beautiful. Beautiful, you know, Jesse. That I just write, I think it's perfect. Um, this is your sword is one of my favorite Springsteen's. I think it is in a lot of ways. It is, it is a Psalm. It is a gospel song. And, uh, you know, um, hold tight to your loved ones and remember this, this shield will protect your sacred heart. The sword will defend you from what comes in the dark. Should you go weary on the battlefield, do not despair. Our love is real. You know, that song in itself is so uh, underspoken about. Um, mm -hmm. And when that, when you play that, it really is such an optimistic song. Yeah. And um, as I've told the story, he was supposed to do it in Houston, 2014, and they scratched it and did Seeds. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Tom Morello. Um, All right, let's hear some of the other ones. Yeah. So uh, there is a song John Hyatt and Amy Grant did, Thank Someone. And it is uh, the court when the night is lonely and you're feeling miles apart. If you forget to thank someone, say thank you in your heart. Thank the moon, thank the sun, but most of all, thank someone. Thank the stars above, one for everyone you love. Jesse, that's Good Night Moon, a children's story for crying yes. out loud, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've had to clue, have a little faith, there's magic in the night. And then my top two, and I get asked a lot, I'm sure you do too, Ted, what's your favorite Springsteen song? What's your favorite Springsteen song? And you go, it's, it's hard to say, but I usually say um, Land of Hope and Dreams and Better Thanks. Days and number three, Changes on the Day, depending on the day. So um, I think if I had to, um, Land of Hope and Dreams, um, I've quoted at funerals and I now think I'll see you in my dreams. Well, now wait, wait, the funerals, at the funerals, were you talking about saints and sinners Well, or, I, or no. whores and gamblers? Well, I will provide <laughs> for you and I'll stand by your side. You'll need a good companion on this part of the ride. Leave behind your sorrows. Let this day be your last tomorrow. There'll be sunshine and all this darkness past. Yeah. And I had that on my Instagram uh, leading up to the election, you know, yes. The, <laughs> Um, it's yeah. funny, Letter Letter to You now has two songs, right? The first mm -hmm. and the last that uh, yeah. are really poignant for um, people who have passed. Yeah, uh, the, the I'll see you in my dreams because death is not the end. Uh, yeah, I do. And then um, 
I don't know if you see every once in a while on Twitter, someone will say, okay, you're put on stage. You have no preparation. You have to do a 15 minute TED talk. What would you do? And I always say, absolutely. What I would do is I would pull up the lyrics to Better Days and I would talk about Better Days. A life of leisure and a private's treasure don't make much for tragedy. It's a sad man, my friend, who's living in his own skin, who can't stand the company. Every fool's got a reason for feeling sorry for himself and turning his heart to stone. Tonight, this fool's halfway to heaven and just a mile out of hell and I feel like I'm coming home. Um, Jesse, that is a TED Talk. Yeah. 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 Um, I believe better days to me is enjoy the journey that too many of us ted say well when when i get that promotion then i'm going to be happy when i get the kids out of diapers then we're going to go explore you know well when um you know when i i'm going to go enjoy after this or that and the idea is um i was I, four years ago, I was diagnosed with colon cancer and uh, had to go through chemo. And, and, and I talk all the time and my friends laugh at me. I go back when I had colon cancer and they go, no, no, you don't need to air quote it. But it just didn't <laughs> feel like it because, you know, I, the surgery went well. I went through the chemo. Chemo Thank sucked, God. but I get through it. Um, but I was you know, I, I kept better days and land of hope and dreams reminding that this is part of the journey. You have to just not just these are the better days, because if you just keep going, OK, if I can just get through this next chemo side, no, um, understand that, you know, this is your body is fighting this. And one of the side effects of the chemo I had, you couldn't drink cold drinks you're very sensitive to cold. So there was, there was a, every three week cycle, you had two weeks of, you had chemo, then you had two weeks of pills, you had a week off, then you started all over again. In that third week, things were light enough, you could enjoy a cold drink. And that week, like I drank everything cold I could because I knew the next week. Um, so <laughs> when you invite me to your show, Better Days will pro probably be, and we will discuss that. It will be. Well, um, I, I look forward to that. And Jesse, I'm glad that you are feeling better now from yes. four years ago. You mentioned Better Days. It reminds me of the Natalie Merchant 10,000 Maniacs song, These Days. Yes. These Days will remember, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also, you know, it's, it's, it just reminded me also that tonight before we went on, I got a message from someone saying, what is the silver lining you found during the pandemic? Okay. And I said, the silver lining is that I, or maybe we realized so many things we were spinning ourselves around for just don't matter. Our simplified lives are being rewarded. It's like faith is being rewarded, right? Yeah. As Bruce says, and you know, for all the catastrophes and all the deaths and all of the financial hardship that we and everybody is going through, um, the simple, we were forced into simplicity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when there's a power failure and you take out the board games. Yeah. You know, and you're not watching four TVs in four different rooms, texting each other. Can I have a snack? You know, yeah. that's not where that's not, that's not a good way forward for community. You know, and I, I think the other thing is um, I, 
I have a, I have two series. I have one serious and one funny. Um, one of the byproducts of this pandemic is I've been doing this for a while. And when I would try to get guests, you know, I would record via Skype. What is Skype? I don't know what Skype is. I ended up having to get a phone number so that people could dial. Um, now then I go, they ask, are we going to do this via zoom? <laughs> so like, so I'm like on a, just on a very slight, beautiful, you know, side of thing. The other thing is I did not realize what I was doing. And, uh, once again, Ken Rosen was nice enough to do an article for Backstreet's magazine about the podcast during my fifth, when I hit five years. And he said, I don't know that Jesse meant this, but, he says this podcast is really about community and connection and i did not know that's what it was about i just wanted to talk to people that like bruce because my wife is tired of me talking about bruce right but here's the thing here's the thing i'm i'm going to challenge that not knowing you but for an hour that in your dna is about community jesse oh thank you It, it it is so so you it's not, it's not something that you wear on your sleeve to say, I'm doing this because I'm going to be community building. Yeah. Now, I think that this is who you are. Thank you, and sir. I appreciate that. I, I swear. So, yeah. um, so well done um, because you. this is who you are and you don't get to 500 episodes. <laughs> First of all, you don't even embark on a project like this without community being in your DNA. You're right. either an egotist or a community person in your yeah. DNA. And you weren't doing this to be the next Joe Rogan. You were doing right. this because people needed an outlet to share and to talk. Yeah. And, and you provided that. Yeah. And I, we joke about this, but the truth is, right. I think I will go to Linda. Hey, can I tell you something? Is it about Bruce Springsteen? Uh, never mind. <laughs> or is it about Doctor Who? Uh, never mind. <laughs> and so we have a new clue. Um, I, and I do not know what comedian said this, so I'm stealing a comedian's line, but there is, um, you know, you'll say, hey, did you hear about blank, blank, blank? And the comedian's joke is, oh, yeah, I heard about that on Who Gives an F magazine. You know, it was in the cover of Who Gives an F magazine. So we have now reached the point that's a code. My wife and I will go, hey, do you want to hear something that was on Who Gives an F magazine? Which is code for, <laughs> I know you don't care about this story, but I really need to tell you to it. And uh, she's like, yeah, sure. And every once in a while she goes, no, no, no. That was actually interesting. That wasn't on the cover. (laughs) So it's funny that you say this because obviously you and I have dealt with people in our lives who roll their eyes. Yes. And I say in every one of my episodes on that one lyric podcast, every episode I say, you may think I'm crazy, but I'm just a big fan like you are. Yes. And my fandom takes me here. And I end every episode in the last couple of sentences, Jesse. And I say, um, share this with your friends. Sure, some may roll their eyes that we can actually talk about one lyric. Who cares? We're not apologizing for our fandom. This almost to me, I mean, I'm reinforcing it to me. This is my friend said that this is like my personal therapy session. This, this podcast, it is making a declarative that we are done apologizing for people rolling their eyes at us saying that, you know, Oh my God, Jackson Brown must have a temporary restraining order out for you. It's like, it's not not funny. It's not funny. These are people who, um, yes, it was funny. Ha ha ha. The first couple of times. Now it's just like, 
I'm sorry, you don't have something that you're passionate about in your life. There's room on the train, you know, grab a ticket, get on. You don't need no ticket, just get on board. That's right. And, you know, that's the, um, and we'll talk about that is, yes, I realize that our family sometimes roll their eyes that like another story, (laughs) but um, I, I have heard that from other people that have said, I wish I was passionate about something as much as you. And in fact, one of my good friends, uh, Tom Zoller, who is a brilliant uh, writer and artist, um, on his iTunes review, he says, uh, he says, I don't know if I'm passionate about anything as much as Jesse is about Bruce's music and talking about it to other people. And I will take that as a compliment any day. That's beautiful. Right. And you know, the beauty of podcasting and people say, oh, what should I do a podcast on? It's like, do a podcast on what you're passionate about because your authenticity will come out. Well, and the reality is, and I, I, my wife did not understand this for a long time and she does now. And it was her brother of all things that did this. Uh, We were over at his house and he was talking about that if he could do anything, um, he would get where all his buddies from high school would go to a barn on Sunday, set up their music musician, you know, their musical instruments, because he was in bands all during high school and right out through high school. And he says, and we would jam for two or three hours for no audience. We would just play music for ourselves. And he says, and I would love to do that. And he doesn't weekly. because why? Well, because his family isn't, he doesn't have other members. There's no one close to him that plays music that from his buddies. And I said, that's what my podcast is. I mean, if I get 10 listeners, I don't care because uh, I got to connect with someone and we got to spend 45 minutes to an hour talking about Bruce and talking about and sharing stories. Talking about life also, right? Absolutely. And it is amazing the different topics you can go into in the going. Um, so you kind of answered already, but I do have to give just if, oh, the Mary, the Mary question, yes, if, if you're a friend of Ted's and you're listening to this, um, you're going, okay, explain this Mary question to me again. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher who just recently retired in the Philadelphia area. And every year his seniors would take two days out in their honor English class and they would break apart Thunder Road, all the lyrics, all the imagery, all the themes that Bruce explores. And at the end of the two days, um, he would ask the class, does Mary get in the car? So Ted, that's your question. All right, well, I need to build up to this because it dawned on me interviewing this guest on my own podcast on Thunder Road, that Thunder Road is broken up into three different parts. Okay. It is this calmness of the screen door, you know, and the radio, she's dancing and the dress is waving and it's kind of calm, right? And then it's building a little bit, right? It's building. It's, you know, yeah, you can hide beneath the covers. Yeah, yeah. It's still building, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, but what else can you do now? It's like drum, except roll down the window. So now we're in the car, you, you, you rolling down the window and let your hair blowing back. So now there's some there's some some force that wasn't on the porch where the the dress was just waving on a summer day now the window's down the hair is blowing the night's busting open right um and and then all of a sudden i got this guitar you know uh, and i learned how to make it talk 
it's it's gone to a third gear. So I never saw Thunder Road being broken up into three ge- three shifts, three gears like a car, like Bruce would always do with cars. So I, I love that. So the crescendo is happening. You're asking right now, does she climb in? You know, it's funny. It depends where Mary is from. If, if she's from Bruce's neighborhood, hell yeah, she climbs in. If she place she may have to say uh i'm getting my nails done tonight um can we maybe do it next thursday (laughs) (laughs) i say that in jest because um i think deep down we all want to think that bruce's couples go together yeah and that they take a walk to the sun and and live happy lives with with the, the the road is still dark with the thin thin lines with the hands still slipping and breaking free yeah. but i i will not i'm sure there are some songs but i don't want to even go there that deep right now but i'm not going to go there that any of the songs that i love isn't hopeful romanticism not hopeless but hopeful romanticism so i have a bonus question for you and um, would you, do you think the couple in the river would say they've had a successful marriage? I think they are still standing as a couple. Yes. So I would say yes. Uh, I would say all of the odds were against them. Yes. What do you think? Yeah, I do too. And I think just because he says, you know, she acts like um, Mary acts like she doesn't remember, and I don't care. But that doesn't mean that they're together. And I think that um, I think it goes back to if I fall behind, you know, sometimes marriage goes through rough times, and um, and there is a partnership and a friendship that continues to build. Now, obviously. In real life, you know, Bruce's sister has remained married this whole time. You know, it is it is a very successful, happy marriage. And, you know, when they talk about is a dream alive that doesn't come true or is it something worse? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's an unsuccessful marriage. Um, and because I think um, happily ever after is something that. I adore because I grew up watching Walt Disney movies, but I understand that it's complicated and that um, I used to joke, my wife jokes with me, uh, we've been married 36 years and we'll joke and 34 of them been the happiest years of our lives. But <laughs> when you throw in the rough spots, it adds up to about a year or two where this was not a good time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot to do with that teenage boy that we were trying to raise. Yeah, it's a tough, the 16 and 17 year old uh, uh, son, that's a tough year and a half. I tell everybody whenever yeah. they say, oh, my kid's 12, I go, oh, they still love you. Exactly. Yes. Go, what? Still- what? That's not going to happen. I go. There's about a year or two. But you know, Jesse's a therapist once told me the goal is that when your kid turns 25 and you send them a plane ticket to come see you, they use the plane ticket to come see you. That's the goal. I am now going to use that because my son's 32. He just turned 32, 
and um, you know he we lost power for his apartment lost power and so he's like okay I'm heading that way oldie and uh, you know he spent about a year and a half living with us he was he was going to get married they decided at the last minute it wasn't the right thing so he moved in with us then just when he was going to get his own place the pandemic happened so he ended up staying there and um i call this bonus time jesse exactly and what we said is um you know linda will look over to me and go i'm just so happy our adult son still wants to spend time with us beautiful right Beautiful. And, uh, you know, he used to joke when he was younger, well, that's because you guys have good liquor. <laughs> but now then at 30, you know, two, he, he doesn't even joke about it. He goes, you, you guys are my best friends. You know, I, why wouldn't that's I great. want to spend time with you? That's and great. that makes and, 16 and 17 year old worth it. Absolutely. Hey, you, uh, I, I love that story. We both have kids that we are so proud of. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, just to tie the bow on the river, you know, as you yeah. ask, did they have a happy marriage? It, it, those are tough lyrics in there, right? Where yes. Mary, you know, I don't remember. She don't care. Um, that could be seen as, as a death knell, right? But it can also just be seen as a Saturday morning where I just don't remember and she just doesn't care. Yes. Uh, so it's very interesting, Ted. Yeah. Oh, you froze. Sorry. Are you there? I am here. Okay. So um, someone on Twitter said, has anyone been married for a length of time that doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day? And I replied back, we've been married over 35 years and neither one of us do anything on Valentine's day. Uh, you know, really? I just, we just, we just don't, that isn't something we, we do. Uh, you know, um, I order candles for her that um, she doesn't know they're coming because I go, this place looks like a mass. Why do you have to have seven candles burning? <laughs> you know, but I keep ordering candles and then, Today, when I got home, I had a podcast that started at 6 p.m. And she had my glass with ice and water ready because she knew, I don't know if you'd have time to get something to drink before your podcast started. That's beautiful. That's that's better than a box of chocolates. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got to tell you, uh, just to come full circle with the river, the last lines, it's um, we're down to the river. My baby and I, oh, down to the river we ride. So he's still saying it's my my baby and I, and we are riding together. And, you know, right? I would argue, right, that when they get out of the house, when they get away from the kids and it's them alone in the car with the radio turned to music that they listened to when they were dating, they become kids again and they they rediscover, I like hanging with you. Oh, you know what? I like hanging with you, too. You know, it's interesting you say that. And we, we said a couple of times in this episode, it's, it's, it's the song meets you where you are. You've been married over 30 years. Yeah. It's beautiful that you hear that, that hope in this song. If you were, if someone's going through a divorce and hears this song, yeah, they hear it a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what lyrics are all about, that they Absolutely. hit you at different parts of our life. And you know, what would be cool, Ted, if there was a podcast where you picked a lyric and you tore it apart, <laughs> share again where people can find you if they want to. Thanks so, so much, Jesse. It is the, that one lyric 
lyric.com, that one lyric.com, or go to your favorite podcast channels and you'll find it there too. And Jesse, um, you know how important it is on these whole podcast channels with algorithms and stuff for people to get noticed. Um, one way is to review this podcast on Apple podcasts. And I'm giving an incentive for everybody who does a rating and review. Yes. It doesn't even have to be a good rating and review. I hope right. it is. I hope you give me yeah. five stars. I'm raffling off this gem by Brian Hyatt, ah. the book, Bruce Springsteen, the stories behind the songs. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it has every song up until the, the moment the book was published, of course. Um, and it, it's got a, a paragraph or two about every song. And I think it goes for $50. I'm raffling it off. I think I'm going to raffle it off, uh, you know, maybe every episode or every month. So okay, I really nice. invite folks to give a review and a rating on Apple podcasts. That That's my self-serving plug. <laughs> well, I love that. Um, any final thoughts you want to share? Uh, I am grateful that you do what you do as the umbrella for everyone else that falls under it, Jesse. Uh, humbled to be on your show, but also grateful to be included with such a roster and such um, a curated list of, 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 of people, of fans, of storytellers, of, of philosophers. And for you to navigate these conversations the way you do, um, it's like we've known each other for quite some time, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. It really is. It, so it's great. Um, my last words are just of gratitude to you. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, I am uh, I'm looking forward to you told me you're going to have me on the show. Um, I, I, I could see you coming back on my show and uh, we could we we didn't even talk about we didn't get into Letter to You, Western Stars, Broadway. No. No. Uh, there's just plenty more topics we can discuss. So I will have you on again. Thank you, kind sir. Listeners, please stay safe. Remember to social distance. Remember to wash your hands. Remember, as the man says, wear an effing mask and let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, listeners. And we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you, Jesse. Bye-bye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking. 
Sand Thinking, Joy Spreading, Lyric Reading, Story Sharing Podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.